Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since last week. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I hope it went well. I hope it was productive. I hope it was, went accordingly. Um, so much is going on. Uh, so much to address. So much to establish. Um, headline after headline. A uh, huge, huge show tonight. A lot of big, notable guests. Uh, very, very exciting stuff. Uh, everybody, um, first and foremost, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my audience and sponsors. You are all incredible. The show is listened to in 25 countries and on 70 online platforms. And I'll tell you, we got a lot planned for the future of the Rory Sodder Show. Uh, we are signing deals with various networks. Uh, I have my own network coming out, um, and I will be, you know, as I said, I will be announcing more about that uh, shortly, very soon, very soon. I've been working on so many, so many things. I mean, this, this quarantine and, you know, this whole scamdemic has given me so much extra free time, I will say. Um, guys, 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 crazy, crazy I mean, I just, just in the last 24 hours, you know, all these videos that come out, all these, you know, different articles. I mean, it, it's hard to wrap your head around it. It's hard to, you know, stay focused. I mean, we're so distracted with so many different things. Um, I want to get to everybody on the panel tonight. Uh, huge show. Uh, we'll be having U U.S. congressional candidate from New York, George Santos, uh, award-winning author David M. Burke. U.S. Congressional candidate from Michigan who just won his uh, primary, uh, Charlie Langworthy. Very excited to talk to him. Uh, founder of Square Deal Committee, Joseph Contanen. Um, founder of Freedom First, and Amer Freedom First Network, an American conservative, conservative movement, uh, J.D. Rucker. Uh, political consultant, John Steubens. Political candidate from Texas, Joe Walls. U.S. Congressional candidate from Florida, Dr. Eric Aguilar. Political science uh, professor and popular podcaster, Nick Giordano. Uh, Pastor and Dr. Rodney Evans, uh, political historian Nick Cecili, political activist Equintal Middleton, uh, crime ex and crime expert Carlo Cavazzuti, and more. Uh, this, this, this lineup tonight, I want to welcome right now, I believe he's with us. Uh, let's make sure we have crime expert Carlo Cavazzuti with us. How are you, my friend? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good, Rory. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm just getting fed up and tired of all the bullshit going on, bro. All these looters, all these, you know, thugs, these felons, you know, they, they want to, all these people want to punish small businesses, but, uh, you know, they're, they're enabling all these, these jerk offs. I'm just tired of it, man. I mean, you know, this, this whole scamdemic was only supposed to be a couple weeks. It's, it's gone on six months now. I mean, enough is enough, you know, and people ask me all the time, when do I think it's going to end? There's no, there, I, got, I got an obvious answer for everybody. After the election. This is political. This is bullshit. We've dealt with much worse in our life. I mean, there, there's things that have killed way more people, and you didn't shut down the damn economy. You, you know that female police chief, I think she was from Seattle or Seattle police, Portland? Seattle police chief. Where, yes, Seattle police yeah. chief. We're going to get into that tonight, awesome. where, I, where I grew up. Awesome. Um, I can't awesome. believe this. Yes, you resigned. I, 
And you know something? I uh, got a hold of her. I told her, I said, baby girl, you come on down to Texas. We will treat you right, but leave those progressive yes. communist values back in Seattle because we don't play that shit here. You know? Oh, it's so. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. And you know, you're you're in the best state of all. You're in the. You know. You know, I'm in Arizona, obviously, still the wild, wild west. You know, Texas, Arizona, some of the most biggest American places on earth. Uh, but you know, we're in the proper areas, you know, where people should, you know, take, take our lead. You know, we should set the example uh, for these idiots that are running these liberal areas. And I'll tell you, when you're limiting law enforcement to what they can do and, and how they can approach the situation, that's dangerous for everybody. That is no longer a political matter. That's a matter about humanity, you know? You know, these law enforcement officers and the chiefs of these departments – if, if they believe in law and order, they ought to hit themselves in the crux of their arm and extend a middle finger to the mayors, the council, and everything else and tell them to go take a powder, in a few other words. They need to go in there. They need to take these people out and take them down hard. They, they are not going to understand until we do this. Uh, you know, if Seattle wants to turn into a city like Los Angeles, uh, if Portland wants to turn into a city like Los Angeles, let them do it. Let them do it. But I'm telling you that the cops are all going to leave. They're, they yeah. won't have to worry about defunding the police uh, because the cops are going to leave. They're going to come somewhere where they're appreciated. And we will appreciate them down here in Texas. I know they will appreciate them in Alabama. I know they'll appreciate them in uh, Florida, especially where that great, great uh, person that is running for um, a seat in the in the Congress, Mr. Aguilar. I, I mean, he is a force of nature. I agree. I agree. And, you know, here, here, here's what, here's what needs to happen, you know, and, and we absolutely, we absolutely need Dr. Agliar in there. He, he would be fantastic, you know, and, and, you know, this whole days of the politician, I believe are, are, are limited. I, I believe that Trump created this, you know, uh, road and this door for all these outsiders to really, um, you know, Take, take, you know, take their, you know, take their platform to the next level. I mean, you know, because for the longest time, we're so used to voting for politicians. And, I, you know, I, I think that that's I, I don't think that's a thing anymore. I mean, we see on both sides, you know, whether you love Trump or not, he really woke up people to the narrative that I, the outsider is, is out is really uh, the most I mean, the, the most significant. And, and we see that with Bernie supporters and Trump supporters. They're, they, they got way more of a base than any of these establishment politicians. I, I see posts from Democrat after Democrat and Democrat groups walking away from the Democrat Party or saying Democrats for Trump yep. because yep. they are getting sick and tired of the bullshit. Right. They don't want right. this coming to their cities. And, and, you and know look some, at what happened. And it, oh, yeah, look at what happened in Chicago the other night. I mean, can you – can you believe that shit? And I really am going to go on a quick rant here 
It's going to be a really quick rant. And you know everybody, you know how I get. This stuff makes me more angry than anything on earth. You have Black Lives Matter pushing a message based on a fake narrative, based on lies. You know, supposedly they all went out and rioted and looted the other night because some some uh, black guy who was shooting at cops got shot back. I mean, if you're going to play stupid games, you're going to win stupid fucking prizes. Excuse my French. And by the way, I tell everybody on my show, don't use the F-bomb, you know, like it's, you know, like it's, uh, um, like it's in style. If it makes sense, then go right ahead. Um, you know, but, but if you're that angry when you're going on, uh, an explanation or, or, uh, you know, one of these sort of, uh, long rants like I am, sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes you have to, because I am disgusted. They're driving cars, buildings, they're lighting police stations on fire. And you know what? They say, oh, well, why? Why, may I ask you? Oh, because black lives matter. Yeah, we're going to destroy cities because we want justice. Hey, dumbasses, that's a great way to get your message across. I mean, I'm just so sick of it all. I mean, but, and, and you know what? Liberals that have, the liberals that just sit there and donate to Black Lives Matter are some of the dumbest animals on the face of the earth. I'm, I'm talking a lot of the white liberals I grew up with. Some of these white people I grew up with, I want to slap them across the face. I mean, you just want to pummel these people because of how ignorant they are and how uneducated and how they make statements like white people, you know, oh, well, black people can't be racist. Oh, well, black lives, well, all lives can't matter until black lives matter. Uh, you know, you don't know what black people have to, have, to, have to go through. You do? You do? You growing up in a gated community? Because I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie to everybody. I grew up in a, a pretty, you know, well-off, privileged area. And my, li- my liberal white friends are in gated communities thinking they can resonate with black hardship. Give me a break. And I want to choke them. You literally want to grab them by the neck. Like, that's how angry you get. Because these people are, it's white guilt. The best way to describe it is white guilt. Because they're still voting for these politicians that are destroying the cities. It's not a color problem. It's an ideology problem. Exactly. And, you know, these people are not riding and looting the buildings that um, of Republicans or whatever. I mean, they're riding and looting the Louis Vuitton stores in Chicago. They're looting uh, the Tesla dealership in Chicago. Uh, this isn't about Black Lives Matter. It never was about Black Lives Matter. These people don't. It. And look who controls it. Look who controls it. The 1% billionaires. The 1% billionaires control it. The same people that control slavery. And what color are they? People like George Soros. White white billionaires. George Soros. Exactly. Those types. Yep. You know? You know, know, we got to talk a little bit about this Kamala Harris. Are you freaking kidding me? A woman that pimped herself out to Willie Brown for years while the man was still married. Are you kidding me? And this guy was investigated by the FBI. What does that tell you about her? She doesn't care about justice. As some lawyers like to say, 
There's no such thing as justice. It's just us. Oh, oh, no, I hear you. We're going to get into that into the show later on. But I, I, I want to, you know, just kind of finish with this real quick. Um, th- this whole scenario, you know, I mean, we, we see Kamala Harris. You know, she was locking people up for marijuana. That's not going to fly over well with the black community. Um, you know, and this whole racial uh, identity politics, I think it's, in certain ways, I think it's jumped the jump the shark in other ways i think a lot and, of people and she, still and she blocked evidence it, I, from I a think, guy I that was locked up for murder she she blocked evidence from being presented for a guy that was convicted of murder that would have let him off what does that tell you about her in you, you know uh, you you want to listen to a good black woman talk you, you got to look up shamika michelle she's on twitter she's on facebook I'm telling you, she is out there. She is the major walkaway lady for the black people. And she has something no. to say. She's got a message. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Carlo, I always love having you with us. I'm going to get to you later on in the show. You know, you've been dealing with criminals for many years. You've dealt with many police departments, many different, you know, high, high ups in terms of law, you know, law enforcement, all that good stuff. So we always appreciate your valuable insight. Uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you and get involved. CabazzuttiCrime.com. That's my website. All my books are on there. If, if you want to uh, uh, tweet me, it's C-A-B-45-C. Um, so those are the two best ways to get a hold of me. I, I'm always there. I respond to anybody that tries to get a hold of me. All my information is on my website. Look up my website. You might like the books. I am not politically correct, and boy, do I have some strong women in my books that don't put up for nonsense. (laughs) I love it. I love it, man. Stay with us. Big show ahead. Uh, Glad you could join us tonight. I'm here for you, my brother. All righty, man. Thank you. Um, I, I want to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us right now, and I'm getting to everybody on the panel. Uh, really excited to talk to this guy right now, though. We have U.S. congressional candidate from New York, George Santos. George, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, Rory. How are you? I'm doing very well, George. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I sit here and I watch the news, and uh, I watch headline after headline. Uh, New York City is in a lot of trouble, uh, a lot of trouble. I mean, you're seeing ha- almost half the billionaires with a B leaving because they don't want to deal uh, with the financial situation. You know, they, they don't, they don't well, want to be there. They don't, they don't want to be. Well, they, and we're seeing, we're seeing businesses that can't maintain. I mean, we're, we're seeing all these scenarios where the middle class, I mean, they, they have, they have no say. They, they don't even have a voice anymore. I mean, that city is going to turn into what it was in the seventies and that's not good. Um, the crime rate, I think I read skyrocketed almost 200%. I mean, that, I, I just, what I'm reading and, and people in Manhattan are like, they have to close their stores. I, and I just, I'm just mind blown, man. What are your thoughts, man? But I, I, I want to get your thoughts on that. But, 
since you're it's your first time on the show, like I do with all my guests, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So I'm a uh, born and bred New York City guy. Uh, I'm a New Yorker as as they come. You know, I I, I say it how it is. I talk very straight, very transparent. Um, New York City's become a, the epitome of a shithole. Um, to to keep it polite, <laughs> but. Uh, what I am, uh, you know, first born generation, first generation born American, immigrant parents, uh, they came here in the pursuit of, you know, the American dream. And I am their American dream. I'm everything and, 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 and the reason they came to this country. They fled, my, my father fled socialism in Brazil, my mother fled socialism in Europe. And they came here and built a family. And today they can be proud um, to, to have a son who is a well-accomplished businessman who is now running for United States Congress. That's something that wasn't in the cards for my family. We're a very middle-class, blue-collar family, and here's one of their kids running for United States Congress, right? So uh, New York City guy, Queens, Queens resident, and everything you just said to piggyback on that and, and, and make it even more scarier, in the 70s, there was crime but it wasn't at the level it is today. We have more yeah. gun shootings now than we've ever had in any major U.S. city. And that's New York, one of the cities with the biggest crackdowns on guns. There's less guns yeah. here than there are in the entire, in the entire West Coast. There's more guns in the well, entire George, West Coast than there would be in New York. And, George, I'm looking at every single category – economically, I mean, you guys are screwed. I mean, I'm looking at real estate. I mean, there's celebrities that are taking like six or seven million dollar losses on penthouses because of the neighborhoods and crime. I mean, it's, it's in bad, bad territory. And I'm looking Let me at, give you a little you know, just synopsis. And the homeless Sorry. epidemic, too. That's bad, too. Sorry. Well, look at it this way. I'm in financial services. I've been a Wall Street employee. I know that has a negative connotation, but I'm in financial services for 11 years. I've never seen a worse real estate bubble, if there ever was one, um, compared to this one. And it's only isolated in the five boroughs. Every other surrounding area is not in the same category. Why? Because we have the worst mayor in the history of our city. Dave Dinkinburn's bad, but it's and if you think he was bad, Big Bird's worse. You know, Bill he's de Blasio so has bad. thrown Dude, he's so bad. I mean, I, I can't even think. I mean, you know, I'm going to tell you, George, and, and I, you, you probably knew this about me, or maybe, maybe you didn't. I, I moved to Arizona. I moved to Phoenix about eight years ago. But I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, and I had to get the hell out of there. I'll tell you. The politics, the third world ideology – the politicians there have turned that place into a shithole. Excuse my French, but, you know, I, Durkin, I'll tell you, Mayor Jenny Durkin is pretty damn bad, but uh, I think de Blasio may have her beat, but uh, they're, they're pretty close. De, de Blasio's the worst. Uh, let's put it this way. He's, him, along with Governor Cuomo, are a perfect recipe for disaster. One writes an executive order that costs the lives of thousands in nursing homes. The other one doesn't want to let businesses reopen and allow them to actually thrive. Then he wants to go on TV and says, say that it's the president's fault that New York City is failing, and if he doesn't give New York City a bailout from the federal government, that he's going to have to lay, out, lay off 22,000 employees. 
Well, whatever happened to the six point seven billion surplus Bloomberg left in the city coffers that he annihilated within four years of administration? What did his wife do with one point four billion dollars from city funds with her Thrive NYC project, which is a complete failure? And they and, and they've cut back on education, they've cut back on the police, and still our deficit doesn't get any better. That's because there's massive corruption, massive exodus of high taxpayer dollars that are leaving the city into Long Island, Westchester, and the surrounding areas, and some just flying out of the state altogether to Florida, Texas, and North Carolina, because nobody can bear to live in the state with the absolute most inept and incapable corrupt government that the city and state have ever witnessed. Where I'm running for Congress, Rory, it's the north shore of Long Island. It's famously known as the Gold Coast, and it's also a smidge of Queens where I'm a resident of. We are historically the safest neighborhoods of all of New York, and right now I have to worry about Black Lives Matter's riot outside of my home because there is no police out there because they've been handcuffed to do nothing while these criminals run at large all around the city. We are being held hostage in New York to the liberals, the far left, and the fringe Democratic Party officials such as AOC and Thomas Suozzi, who is who I'm running against. I can't stress it enough. If you're thinking of vacation in New York, don't. If you're thinking of moving here, don't. It's not a place to be, not now not for at least the next four years, once we rid ourselves of de Blasio and have an actual good mayor come on in in 2021 and clean up the city like Giuliani did in the 90s. That's the New York City we live in now, that a New Yorker will say, do not come here. It is not safe. You know, I, I was there the last time I was there. I was there for, a, I was there for like three nights. I think, yeah, like three nights. Um, uh, last summer, um, and I was just, you know, appalled on how dirty the city was. You know, I've been there. I've been there a few times. I've always enjoyed my visits there, but this last time, you know, it, it really uh, was quite something, quite nasty. And, um, you know, something that really is disgraceful is how these mayors and how these uh, elected officials go and destroy uh, their areas with all these third world antics and, and uh, you know, ideologies, and then free handouts from the government. You know, I, I was just having a, a, a talk the other day with a political friend of mine who's, you know, really heavily involved. And I mean, it, it really is sick. It's sick, sick stuff, how they can just be that entitled, where they can just go make all these reckless decisions. And then, it, you know, it, it's a totally, uh, you know, it, it's like, oh, oh, here, give me, give me some money so I can go make some more reckless decisions. Give me some money so I can make more of an idiot out of this out of this city or out of this state. You know, it's crazy. And I'll tell you, um, you know, the, the whole the whole New York City uh, situation. You know, it's sad. It really is sad because just like L.A., just like the state of California, New York City, the state of New York was always one of those places that everybody was, you know, always was amazed by, always fascinated by, always loved and adored and. The culture goes back so far and so much history. But now you mention those places and people are like, ew, that, ew gross. 
You know what I mean? There's nothing amazing because about of New the York politicians. Anymore. Because of the politicians ruining it. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, look, I'll 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 leave you with this, Rory, just so you can think about it. In a city where is respon- okay, a city that's responsible for literally three percent of the federal budget. That's how much taxes the city of New York generates for the federal government. We are responsible yeah. as one little city for three percent of the federal budget in tax collections nationally. To be this corrupt and to be in this much trouble, it scares me. We are 3% of the national federal budget of the United States of America. It's a big country for one city to be representative of 3%. And we cannot get our deficit together. We cannot have public safety. And now I have, I'm going to have to bear between now and election days seeing this entire city and state plastered by Biden and Harris signs all over the place like if that was a good thing. Because we know it's going to be virtually impossible for Trump to carry the city or the state. But to have to bear with all the Kamala and Biden supporters just really made – it was the, the highlight of my day was finding out she was – I mean, I, I knew it all along kind of deal, but I didn't really think they'd do it. And now that I'm going to have to stomach it for the next three months, I'm not looking forward to the next three months. That's all I can say. Well, yeah, no, I, I hear you, man. I hear you. And it's, I mean, this, this woman has, has so many skeletons in her closet. I think it's a huge, huge mistake by Biden. I think he, you know, I, I, there were obviously better choices. I mean, this woman locked, locked people up for marijuana. You know, that's not going to fit well with the black community. You know what I mean? Look, that's what happens when you literally go um, shopping for a VP based on identity politics. You don't have a lot of options. He made it clear he wanted a, a black woman. And his options were Stacey Abrams, uh, Susan Rice, or Kamala Harris. Stacey Abrams doesn't right. have enough evidence. Susan Rice would have been a disaster because of the Obamagate that's starting. And Kamala Harris was the, worst, was the least worst of the three. It, it, it is what it is. And, and that's why I don't believe in pub, uh, in identity politics because you eliminate good choices. There were so look, I don't like Biden, but there were much better compelling options for VP that would have made it a little bit more serious. But no, they decided to really make it a, a circus, so they got Kamala. You know, <laughs> that's all I yeah. can say. It's the circus ticket. Well, absolutely, one one hundred percent. And you know, before you go. Um, I want to ask you, you know, since you're in New York, um, obviously this Jazine Maxwell, or however you pronounce her first name, I, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, this is making, this case is making big headlines. Obviously today we heard she was just taken off suicide watch. She's in a New York City jail. We saw what happened with Epstein after they took him off suicide watch. What are your overall thoughts? I mean, we really need to get to the bottom of this because – I mean, I believe she's obviously spoken quite a bit to the higher-ups in terms of, you know, law enforcement, you know, being questioned by some of these uh, investigators. But uh, I think there's a lot more that uh, still needs to be spilled. What about you? So, Ghislaine Maxwell is not suicidal. She was put on suicide watch because 
just like Epstein, she's going to suicide herself and hang herself with a handkerchief or something like that. And they're going to try to make us digest that all over again. Ghislaine Maxwell should not be held in custody in New York City nor in the United States. She should be placed offshore where nobody of the big guns in the United States have a flying clue of where she is. She should be offered the protections of foreign, uh, of being in a far, in foreign custodianship so that she is not murdered just like Epstein was and doesn't go to the tomb with all the dirty secrets of the higher-ups in the control of this country. I'm not a big conspiracy theorist here, but I know she holds the key to a lot of careers being obliterated, and that goes from politicians, businessmen, and other influential people in this country. She should not be in custody in the United States. She should be in, in the U.K., or anywhere else in the world where she's going to be granted protection. Maybe the U.K. is a bad idea because the prince is there, but you get the picture here. <laughs> you know, we just got to keep her away and not have access because I just have a, a feeling, uh, you know, we're, we're going down the same path as Epstein, and, it's, and we're going to kill and silence a lot of justice by allowing this woman to be murdered. And I'll tell you something. Um, I, I don't think Epstein's dead. I don't. I, I, and, and you know what? I mean, that, that, that I've studied and looked at this for hours and hours. Here's – there's so many red flags. There's so many weird scenarios. I mean, maybe he is dead. But, I, I you know, I, something tells me that he got immunity. You know, when have you ever seen a coroner bring out a body that was not zipped up? I mean, it, it was open – and if you combine the facial structure with Epstein's, it does not match up or align. So there's something really weird going on. Well, look, let's put it this way. Um, I won't go into the whether he's dead or not, but I will say this. Uh, I, I believe he's dead, and I believe he was murdered. That's, that's my conclusion. Epstein, I, I actually I mean, met I, Epstein. George, I mean, I go, George, I go back and forth. Part of me, I mean, if, if, he, if he's dead, obviously, there's no doubt, no question, he was murdered. But if he's, what if he's not dead, though? I mean, it was, it was such a weird process. Go ahead, though. Sorry. Then he's at that famous island where Helvis is hiding all these years. <laughs> but that's a whole different story. Um, as far as Epstein, I met Epstein in a couple of private equity conferences. Like I said, I'm in, I've never dealt with him personally, but I've met him. I've seen him. I'm 6'2", and the guy was taller than me. There's just no way you can hang yourself off of a bunk bed at that height. I can't hang myself off, a bunk, off of a bunk bed because human instinct kicks right in, and first thing you do is you stand up. You just don't need a suff to suffocation and to strangling yourself. So that's just not possible. The human brain is wired a very specific way, and it's for survival. And the whole story is just so skewed. He didn't hang himself. He was murdered. And, yes, he's dead uh, in, in, you know, what proceeds to be my opinion. But, hey, look, it's 2020. I've seen the most bizarre, unthinkable, and unimaginable happen this year from the world economy crashing, from New York City becoming ghost town for three months, from looting and rioting being praised and law and order being literally demonized. I put it past me rory i wouldn't put it past me that he's still walking around us and we're all like oh my god the guy's alive and, and, and we can't tell 
So you know what? It's 2020. <laughs> Anything can happen. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So, oh, my God, you, you just opened a whole other uh, quick conversation before I let you go. I want to I ask you, um, what was he like? I mean, when you interacted with him, and, and here's another, here, I think here's the million-dollar question or even the billion-dollar question. How did he make all his money? That is still a mystery. Not a lot of people well, can figure it out. Some people can. You know, what I, what I my research concluded to, um, you know, he was getting all this interest off of investing all these large people's money. I mean, that's the only thing. I mean, what else? I mean, what else? I mean I mean, the way he, he made his money is very simple. Yeah. The way he made his money is actually a very simple process that is considerably illegal today, but when he made it, it was totally legal. He was a liaison that got kickbacks from referring good investment deals. He'd take his money from his kickbacks, which is completely illegal today with the regulations the FEC have installed, but the, I'm sorry, the F, F oh, sorry, S. Uh, SEC has installed, um, but it was legal to receive kickbacks on investment deals, introductions. So what Epstein largely did was grow other people's money and make money on top of that and then apply his money into the most lucrative thing of the 80s and 90s, which was muni bonds. For those of you don't, who don't know, is municipal bonds, which were non-coupon bonds that would yield in some occasions 40%. So all these things were regulated to not happen anymore he was just at the right time at the right moment with the right idea he's one of those very lucky stories of i got lucky because i was in the right place at the right time um as far as interacting with him like i said private equity conferences you don't really get to know a good feel for the guy but from what i i my you know my coffee high and by two-minute conversation standing by a pastry table grabbing some coffee was a very pleasant individual. I'm not saying he's, he's a pleasant person and, and especially after everything that's come out in the media, but you know, a very pleasant guy, very cordial gentleman and, and kind, but who would know the guy has an Island that sex traffics little girls and boys to, to, you know, satisfy the pleasure of Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton. And that's to name a few. I would have never in a million years thought that he'd be that kind of guy, but it ends up he was. And, you know, if he died, yeah, sure, I don't believe in killing people. I believe in putting them through the criminal justice system and making them pay for their crimes. I get a lot of pleasure in seeing people pay for their crimes in jail, not putting them on a chair or giving them a shot, because that's the easy way out. The hard way is now, now, live old. No, no, live old and strip from all your privileges and luxuries in a jail cell. That's real torture. That's the pulgatory. That's where people really suffer. When you kill them, you gave them the easy way out. But, you know, now, that's, now, uh, that's debatable. Yeah, did you, did you ever ask, like, let me ask you this. Like, I'm sure you knew people that worked very closely with him because from what it sounds like, the New York City financial market uh you know it's it's uh you know seems to be uh uh everybody knows each other kind of world you know every, everybody hears about you know all the gossip everything that's going on did you ever hear stories did you ever hear from other people man that that guy you got to stay away from he's a sketchy sketchy individual he's involved with some well, 
you know. Go ahead. Well, well, look at it this way. When I was starting my career 11 years ago, he was already ending his and pretty much just setting it all off into his private equity fund, right? So only stories I've ever heard of Epstein are he does some of the best parties in the city. You know, it's, and again, drug lace, sex lace, whatever you want to talk about. But aside from the stories that everybody's heard and that's pretty much public knowledge, I've never heard anything juicy, Rory. Unfortunately, I'm not that, well, I'd say connected with the elites. You know, the people I tend to work with and the people I have worked with tend to be some of the most honorable people in business. And I'm very, you know, blessed to have had clients and dealings with people who who walk a straight line and they're not into big scandals. It would have been a, a hard career for me if I had to cover up every time a client of mine you know, got busted for having a sex trafficking island. So I'm glad that that wasn't my case, and he was never my client, and I never had to endure. But aside from all the stories we hear that he can throw a party and everybody got this and that and, and there was, you know, swingers or whatever the case is, nothing juicy, nothing that I think you haven't heard. Let me ask you this. Do you think you ever did a business transaction with anyone that visited Epstein Island for a party? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I would need to see the list of all those people, and I could answer that. But I, from my understanding, I have not. But maybe. You just never know. Look, I've transacted multi-billion-dollar deals uh, in my life, specifically in private equity. You know, you just you do what you got to do. But uh, I, to my knowledge, no, I have not. Yeah, it's. I'll tell you, though. The, the, this whole, hey, I'd be um, the first one to tell people. <laughs> I'd be the first one out there shaming them and right. making sure. He's a pedo. He was in the island. I did this much business for him, and no, I regret I know. it. I know. I know you would. I know. I know you're a good guy. I, I know you're a true patriot. It's just a small world. I mean, you know, and how, you know, how we went for so many years not knowing any of this. I mean, it was such a secret, and then Trump gets in there, and he exposes it all. I, I think it's a beautiful time, and you look at all these wide variety of areas and, and different realms of, of industries that Trump has, uh, you know, really, I mean, put, put, on, put on blast. I mean, he's, he's taken out so many, whether it's Hollywood, whether it's Harvey Weinstein, whether it's, um, you know, Epstein, whether it's, you know, Bill Cosby. I mean, it goes on and on. It never ends. Well, look, look at it this way. Now, I, I promise I'll let you go, <laughs> or else we can keep having this conversation uh, oh, all night well, long. Hey, well, definitely. Hey, hey, George, I'd love to make you a regular. Let's get you on here weekly. You got it. So just let me put this way, this, this to you. If Trump put a little bit of his focus in draining Wall Street as much as he's draining the swamp in D.C., there'd be a lot of employment opportunities for a lot of youthful Americans with economics degree. That's all I can say to that. There's a lot to be right. drained in Wall Street. Oh, it's so true. And last, last here's the most, here's the last question. Cause I got to get to the next guest and I got to take a commercial break, but what are your thoughts? Because you're a financial guy, you're in New York city. You're in the hub, in the hub, the, the, the center of it all. Wall Street's back in Joe Biden. Let's get your reaction real quick. Absolute ludicrous. It's just it's 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 as simple as putting it this way. It's like getting a Christian to say he worships the devil. I don't understand it. 
how can you support the man who wants to destroy you? As a Wall Street guy myself, as a financial executive, I can't and don't understand a single person in this industry that can support Joe Biden. The company I work for, I'm not going to plug them because, you know, don't want to get in trouble, but the company I work for, <laughs> not one single person can understand how they're supporting Biden. If you look at Biden's policies and proposals, he essentially wants to end Wall Street as it is. And what people don't realize and, and try to – the Dems have created a great narrative of Wall Street is evil, right? Wall Street is responsible yeah. for a third of the employment of the United States of America. Wall Street yeah. private equity firms own big companies such as McDonald's, Burger King, and, and so on and so forth. And those companies employ tens of millions of Americans. Do not think that Wall Street is as evil as, you, as everybody think it is. Wall Street is the biggest employer in this nation. It is the private equity firms. Now, does everybody get a fair share? That's a whole different story, and that's, that's, that's one of the, 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 the aspects of capitalism. You know, idea, idea makers make more money than the laborers and so on and so forth. But you know what? It is the small jobs that keep this country turning. It's not the big jobs. Because you remove the little guys from the equation, the big guys, they're not going to do the little job. The companies go under, and then that's it. So that's just how this country is built. Demonize Wall Street as the bad guys is absolutely crazy, and for Wall Street to support Biden is absolutely nuts. Any any person hearing this, and they work in that realm of Wall Street or finance, and you support Biden, you need some serious, serious education. <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. I mean, I you know, I can't understand it at all. I mean, you know, if you compare – uh, just the stock market from when Obama was in there to Trump. I mean, it's night and day. I mean, it's 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 quadrupled. It's I mean, it's it's more than quadrupled. I mean, it's it's it, I think you know the highest. I mean, what what did I read earlier? I think Trump is what in the in the Nas in the Nasdaq isn't he at like? Uh, hold on, let me let me pull this up real quick. Bear with me, guys. Here it is, right here. Obama-Biden administration only went up 4,000 points in eight years in the Dow. In three years, the Dow went up almost 12,000 with Trump and Pence. I mean, think about that. Obama-Biden only 4,000 in eight years. Trump and Pence almost 12,000 in just three years, three and a half years. That's because Obama Obama was – the chief and commander of regulations, deregulating the United States Exchange, Securities and Exchange Commission, was probably one of the smartest moves of President Trump. He deregulated this country and gave it back freedom to do business, freedom to grow. The Dow, everything was so, the index was so strapped and begging for growth. And it just couldn't grow with so many weights holding it down. And Trump came in and said, oh, what's the matter? Let's cut the cord. Boom. Weights released. Economy burst. We're going to do it again. This pandemic, yeah. this is, here's my biggest conspiracy theory. They tried to shame him. They tried impeachment. Nothing worked. They tried Russia, Ukraine, blah, blah, blah. 
Then they said, all right, it's plan Y, Z, X, whatever you want to call it. And then they called their best friends, China, and say, release the Kraken. And that's essentially the coronavirus. And, And here we are. You know, here's where we've gotten, and we've gotten, eventually, even with the pandemic, Trump's still giving us back jobs, still giving us back the economy. You just can't beat a guy who's been a businessman and took his father's construction company to a whole different level. You just can't destroy the man. The man is a genius. And people like making fun of him for that, but it's true. Donald Trump is a genius. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'll tell you what, George, I love, uh, I love talking to you, man. You are awesome. I'm rooting for you, praying for you. Um, you know, you, you, you got my vote. If I lived there, I would help you out any way I can. I still will. Um, let's, uh, let's definitely tell people where they can donate, where they can get involved, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Rory, the biggest support you give is giving us a platform to reach people. So thank you for that. Anybody interested in getting involved in learning more about the campaign, just go on to George4NY.com, and that's F-O-R-N-Y.com, or check me out on social media at Santos number 4 Congress. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, always willing to have conversations. Uh, my phone number is on, on Facebook. You can easily pick it up, give me a text, give me a call. I'm always willing to talk to people, exchange ideas, and, and it's about building a campaign from the people for the people. And thank you very much for the opportunity to get my voice out there for people who know me a little bit more. Thank you so much, George, and uh, you're, you're a great wealth of information and uh, great insight, just such great value. Uh, we will make you a regular. Let's get you on on a weekly basis. It's great when you get a Republican on inside of the Democratic den, right? <laughs> I love it, dude. I, lo- I love what you're doing. And, you know, what you're doing, you know, speaks volume and definitely carries a lot of merit. And, uh, you know, people are waking up. People are going to see that, uh, you know, uh, more and more every day that this is, this is not so much about politics. This is about saving America. This is about saving neighborhoods. This is about keeping people safe. You know what I mean? It's America first, baby. Absolutely, man. God bless. We will talk to you soon. Thank you, Rory. Absolutely. Uh, I want to welcome to the show. We have U.S. congressional candidate from Florida, Dr. Eric Agliar, uh, great friend of mine, great friend of the show, uh, doing a lot of big stuff right now, out on the campaign trail. Uh, you know, he, he looks, looks very promising. Looks like an optimistic future. I've always said that Eric belongs in Washington, and guys like him, uh, you know, outsiders is uh, really a huge trend right now. But, Eric, what's going on? What's new? Hey, how's it going, Rory? Thank you very much again for having me on the show. Absolutely, Um, my friend. I'm really good to have you back. Appreciate it. Give us us an update. What's new? Yeah, sure. Again, Dr. Eric Aguilar running for Congress in the Florida's 4th District, which is uh, Nassau County. Uh, east side of Duval and St. John's County, which uh, some will know Fernandina Beach, Jacksonville, and uh, St. Augustine. Um, so, I mean, a lot of things have been going on the campaign trail because here in Florida we're going to have primaries on August 18th. Right now, 
you know, I'm up against an incumbent, but of course, an, you could think of Joe Biden. That's what this incumbent is. Next, uh, he next really week, hasn't done that me, much. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's next week, right? Next Tuesday. That is next Tuesday, one week away. So we've been hitting the pavement, you know, hitting the ads, hitting a whole bunch of things. I don't know. I don't do any smear campaigns and just go and tell people the vision and what are we trying to do, how we're going to keep America first, how we're going to keep moving America always and give solutions, how to try to get away from all this cancel culture and all this nonsense that goes on. We should be focusing more on our families and a pathway to the future, build our, keep building our economy, keep um, moving forward with education, get better curriculum. Monitor the curriculum, monitor these textbook publishers that are out there, you know, look at teacher, um, teacher uh, strategies and also first teacher um, training. We're looking at also public safety. What is the future of public safety to actually uh, keep doing uh, things of keep funding the police, keep funding the right type of resources, do uh, community programs that actually can help out, you know, because the police are there but you still need communities to go take care of each other in that sense. So how are we going to focus on that area? We're also focusing on military and veterans, bringing a VA hospital here to the northeast region of Florida. We have over 150,000 veterans, and we don't, have to ha- we don't have a hospital. We have to go to Gainesville. And it's been <laughs> quite a bit of a trip even by myself um, when I retired from the Navy after 20 years. It's always been quite a bit of a hassle. We need to go to fix a lot more of the internal problems in the VA. I'm looking at the turnover rates, you know, start getting physicians and start doing a whole bunch of different things. So we're out there in the campaign trail, and basically we're going to do a lot better things to keep focusing on America first because I've always been a believer we need to fix our communities first before we even give any, any money to any country. You know, it, it always seems logical, right? We're not going to keep sending money out there. We need to focus on America's community at the end of the day. And right now, I just actually had a baby girl. And my wife, Congra- she had the, the baby that. last Thursday. Congratulations, so. my friend. Congratulations. That's so cool. I saw that. And I was just so happy for you. And she's beautiful. And, you know, just what a what a great treat and gift. You know what I mean? Just uh, And you're really doing a lot of amazing things for America. So it's perfect timing. Oh, it's great. I mean, this is my sixth child, so I have two boys and uh, four girls now. Uh, so she's my sixth child. And, you know, people should think about it. And I put, a, put in my post, and some people are saying, oh, you're kind of politicizing that uh, a little bit more. But it's like, I wasn't politicizing because it's the tr- this is where we're at in our country. We're for a president that wants to keep our babies and wants to fight for our babies. And now we have a candidate that a do-nothing candidate then basically want to increase abortion and Planned Parenthood wants to kill our babies. This is where we're at in the country at times. And I'm for a president that wants to fight for our babies. They want to keep our babies and not put taxpayer dollars on a fake Planned Parenthood. And that's not even an organization that it should be just like a baby kill factory at the end of the day. That's what it should be called. But it's not Planned Parenthood. This is where we all have to think about where we got at in this country and the crossroad of this election. Of course, mine is in August, but November 3rd is going to be a very crucial election and to keep winning. So what are we actually going to do here in the district? And people don't don't realize this at times, that your district leader is very, very critical in all these elections also, especially the presidential election, because this is where you rally up a lot of the base within the district. 
and even your local offices, you start rallying everybody up so that way they could go to the polls and actually keep focusing on America first. So this is where I have actually seen unelected leadership in, in the districts so or those that are running for candidates. This is a pledge that we all need to take in our district to keep those numbers up and keep uh, re-elect President Donald Trump because he is an America first president. And we need to send this message all around in 2024, 2028, that it is and beyond, that it is for America's future. And communism, Marxism, all this socialism, all this nonsense, this needs to go out the window. We shouldn't even be dealing with these issues. We should be focusing on the future of America, the future of our families, and actually provide real solutions, not all this nonsense that's going on around the country. I agree. I agree. Amen. And, you know, I I, I was going to bring up to you, you know, you were talking earlier, and, and I think we got kind of cut off for a second about um, your opponent, uh, just, as, just as radical, just as idiotic is Biden. I mean, that, that's, that's what you're going up against, right? Yeah, it is, because you have somebody that, um, he's a Republican, but he had a majority on 17 and 18, and they didn't really do anything. And I don't believe that in any position, it's part of me in the Navy. When you become a rank, there's no such thing as a freshman rank or a junior or anything like that. That is only your head. When you take that position, you lead. It doesn't really matter. So I know they keep saying, oh, Paul Ryan, but, hey, you know, that person is his own person. He's a district leader. He should be taking that and moving forward, not basically waiting for things to happen. In this country, we already have seen you make things happen. You don't wait for things to happen. And that's what some of them have been waiting for. And those that are waiting for that, they need to go, especially if they're not, they say, yeah, you know, I'm for Donald Trump. In the meantime, they don't do any, any legislation that is for America first. In my opinion, actions speak louder than words. And we have heard too many politicians just go out there and start talking instead of actually doing stuff. And this is where we are, middle of the road Mesa Road, and this is why we hired Donald Trump, and this is why we're going to hire him again for another four years. Amen. Amen. Very well said. Eric, I know, uh, I know you're, you have a busy night, and I know you're doing a lot of stuff on the campaign trail. Um, but we, we will get you back here Thursday. Uh, tell everybody where they can get involved, where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. All right, no problem. First, shout out to Carlo. Thank you so much. He's a great guy. He always tells us how he is. I love him um, for everything that he does. So thank you very much. Um, for me, um, Eric for congress.com, E-R-I-C-K-F-O-R, is where you can see all my information. I put everything out there. I just don't put the issues, but I put solutions that will drive forward an America first vision, so that will be good assist. Remember, your legislative is one thing, and your executive branch is another. So we can still work together, but your legislators still make the laws not hide and not do anything. So we're not going to hide. We're actually going to do uh, great things for, for the people in the district and also for the country and to keep moving forward, America first always. Amen. Amen, my friend. Uh, well, God bless you. I'm, I'm rooting for you. You know, you got my support. You know, I, uh, you. we need people like you in D.C. And um, keep up the good work, and we will talk to you on Thursday. Um, you yep, know, I appreciate uh, really, it. And, really and then also the one more thing. Place. Yeah, go One ahead. more thing, Rory. I am actually self-funded. I don't ask people for money. I ask for their vote because that's very, very important. I, Votes win elections. I love so it. Anybody here out in the 4th District, it. go vote.
and I and it looks as of now that you're going to be the nominee. I mean, it looks. I mean, that's what it looks like. I mean, you pretty much are the favorite. Uh, and then that's where it is. Is that the people will tell, and that's what we're going to fight for. We're always going to fight for the people, fight for our rights. We're not going to give up our rights. So we're always going to keep fighting for them. Amen, buddy. Amen. Well, um, love it, man. I love it. I love it. Uh, everybody, I'm going to take a quick commercial. We're going to be right back. Uh, big night on the Rory Sauter Show. Lots of people to get to. Lots of people to get to. I'll be getting to everybody. Uh, many, many notable names. Um, very, very uh, excited. We'll be right back. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. New delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse harder blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. 
Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to it 25 countries on 70 online platforms. Everybody, it's a beautiful night. Coming to you live from Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, man, I'm loving the summer, though. I'm loving it. 100 degrees, boiling my ass off. But I'll tell you what, much better than the cold, I will say. And way better than that humidity stuff, man. I'll tell you. Uh, I want to welcome to the show... Uh, he just won his primary in, Mich- in Michigan, and uh, he's back with us. We haven't had him on in a while. Uh, U.S. congressional candidate, Charles Langworthy. Charles, what's up, man? Congratulations, by the way. Thank you very much, Rory. Can you hear me? I can hear you very well. Can you hear me? Okay. I uh, just wanted to let you know because I, I got a really loud crackling on my end. It sounds like uh, – I'm in the middle of the worst electrical storm, and I'm listening on AM radio. But as long as you guys can hear me, I'm good. Yeah, I don't hear – if anybody else on the line hears anything weird, please send me a text message because uh, I've had like one or – I've had one other person tonight say there's like a uh, like a cracking sound or something. I don't know what the hell it is. Yep. I, I, it's news, news to me, but I don't, I don't like the sound of it. I'll tell you, I want everything to be clear. Uh, but, uh, dude – Welcome back. Um, you've got so much on your plate, man, and you've worked your ass off. Um, you're going up in a yeah, I did a big race, a big race in Michigan. Uh, tell everybody, obviously, a little bit about yourself because you haven't been on in a while, and then tell us about this race. Well, I, I'm a constitutional patriot, you know, and uh, I really look look to the ideas of our founding fathers that uh, inspired me and my belief system. You know, growing up, I, I didn't really look up to sports figures. I, I looked up to Thomas Jefferson, Samuel Adams, uh, George Washington, and the whole bunch. You know, I mean, they, uh, the teachings of liberty are uh, have been, you know, the, the, the strongest influence in my life, besides, besides the teachings of Christ, of course. Um, which, of course, the teachings of liberty were formed, our founders formed them with the teachings of Christ, that they that they understood as well. So uh, you know, uh, I, I want I want to have a country that is based completely upon liberty, freedom, and justice. And we need to get back to the Constitution and getting back to what this country is great about, and that's being prosperous. And that prosperity comes from liberty. And uh, you know that's that's something we've we've totally lost right now. I mean, we we are under a full fledged communist assault here in this nation. And uh, I'll be damned if I'm going to let my children grow up in a nation like that. No, absolutely. And who who are you facing? Who are you facing? I'm facing Andy Levin. Um, Mr. Levin is a member of Congress who is uh, really buddy-buddy with the squad, and he's actually a very, very dangerous man. Uh, what makes him so dangerous, though, is the fact that he flies under the radar and not too many people know about him. Um, and, but he's one of them behind the scenes kind of guys that is, that is very detrimental to our society. Uh, he was one of the uh, uh, sponsors of the new way forward act, 
which, uh, of course, that was that act that uh, it thankfully wasn't passed, but uh, Congress drafted up to pretty much bring uh, people that were even convicted of felonies here in the United States and deported after their five-year felony, 10-year felony or whatever, and uh, bring them back here to the United States uh, on taxpayer money. They would, they would find these people in whatever country they went back to and fly them back to the United States on taxpayer money and set them up with a place to live. Uh, and we're talking, you know, people that committed uh, manslaughter, uh, rapes, uh, armed robberies, um, stuff like that. So that, that's how dangerous of a man Mr. Andy Levin is. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll say, you know, it sounds like a dangerous situation. And, you know, uh, for people that don't know, what areas does it cover of Michigan? Uh, I am I am in the north, uh, just the northern suburbs of Detroit. My, my district borders Detroit to the north, and it covers southern Macomb and southeastern Oakland counties. And, and, and Charles, so you won your primary. Really, that's a really good sign. Really, really good indication. Um, what's the demographic there in terms of how people vote? Moderate? Is it left? Is it? I mean, what's the scenario? It's changing. It it, it has been a historically blue district for many many years. This is we are factory workers. This growing up here in in uh, the Metro Detroit area, especially in Macomb County, everybody had a one degree of separation of somebody that worked in the UAW on the line. You, you, your uncle, your grandpa, your your neighbor, uh, everybody knew somebody that worked on the assembly line. Um, it's not, That's not the case now. Now you have to go through two, three, four degrees of separation to find somebody who's still working on the assembly line because all of our jobs have been shipped to Mexico, China, and wherever the hell else. Um so historically, it's been a blue district. Uh, it, it, it really seems to me that it is more independent. Um, and, and I say that as um, independents that vote Republican, but they're independents that are sick and tired of the corruption of both parties. Um, you know, I mean, the, you know, I, let's face it, the Republicans, you know, they're, they're definitely far from perfect you know, we got our Mitt Romneys, we got our Paul Ryans, and we got a you know a bunch of them on all levels of government, and those are the turds that need to get out of office um, because they're you know they they're very dangerous because they, they make people think that oh well they're Republicans so they're okay but no actually they're not they need to go because they're self serving um, so you know they're not as bad as the Democrats but. Uh, you know, the establishment GOP rhinos, they definitely need to get out of there uh, immediately as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Um, you know, now, now I, I, have a really, I have a really good question for you, and, and this, this might be interesting to you. But do you think the way Governor Crazy Smelly Feminist Whitmer has handled the situation in Michigan has made these people shift? In certain ways, I mean, obviously, you know, the Democrats, Obama administration drove away the um, the, the the factories. I mean, we we know Michigan's a very hot spot for manufacturing, but don't you think Whitmer has contributed to people really running away from uh, the Democrat far left, especially uh, where you're running? I mean, they're, they're seeing they're seeing how she's treating that state. Yes. Yes, especially uh, as small business owners, you know, 
restaurant owners, but but small business and restaurant owners have been hit especially hard around here. Um, we were under lockdown, some of the strictest lockdowns. Our lockdown started on March 23rd, and the stay-at-home order was not lifted until uh, until the riots. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, once the once the riots started, uh, June 1st, she got rid of our our stay-at-home orders. And Charles, I remember, you know, you know what's great about Michigan. You know, I love Michigan, by the way, and I want to tell you, you guys were, as far as I can recall and remember, because I, I, I'm a, I'm a news junkie. I mean, I, I follow the news every 15 minutes. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I have to know what's going on. This is part <laughs> of my career. But I'll tell you this, from what I, from what I remember, you guys were the first people to start the Open America protest when you guys went to the Capitol because the restrictions she was putting in place were so harsh and so unethical and so third world that you guys really needed to set, uh, you know, you know, make a statement. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what really kills me is especially about the, uh, the April 30th rally where, uh, where we all had our firearms and they were like, Oh, they stormed the Capitol with their firearms. No, we walked into the Capitol, uh, you know, the police were letting a couple people in at a time, and they were all like, hi, how you doing? And we're like, how you guys doing? And everything was good. And uh, I really loved how they claimed that there were Nazi, Nazi symbols up there. Um, in <laughs> essence, there were, but there only only one picture, and it was a picture of, of Gretchen Whitmer dressed as, as Adolf Hitler. Um, but it was in no way, shape, or form any supporting of Nazis. It was calling... Gretchen Whitmer herself a Nazi. I I'll tell you what I would hate to be married to that. that you know what we could think <laughs> of all the names in the world. We could think of all the names in the world, and I was about to say something that uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain from. I'm gonna use self control. You know, uh, but I'll tell you she's one piece of work. And I, I you know uh, she's given I think every governor in America a run for their money for the worst possible title i mean uh, I, I, you know she's evil she, and even biden was considering considering picking her as a vp she was in the she was in the uh consideration what a joke yeah well i i, I uh you know uh one of the real terrible things that she's done is she is she has pretty much claimed that racism about this virus um on levels that are yep. just unfathomable she has a racial disparity uh, task force, which she's a um, this racial disparity task force pretty much is out there saying that the doctors and nurses, when, when black folks go to the hospital, that doctors and nurses just like throw them in the corner and don't take care of them. Uh, that's absurd. Yeah. I, I don't know any doctor that would ever treat any human being to, regardless of their color like that. I mean, that's just completely yeah. insane. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's absolutely mind-blowing. And, you know, your district, let me ask you this. I think everybody, you know, wants to know this information, and I think it's pivotal. Um, and if I had to guess, I could, I could probably assume the, the top three. But tell me the top three main priorities uh, that you would uh, put forth uh, your first day in office and, uh, you know, obviously the top three troubles you face. Um. Well, uh, the top three troubles we face is putting down this communist insurrection. That's number one. 
Um, you know, I mean, eventually, of course, we need jobs and everything, but we need to restore the republic and get back to the Constitution and the ideas of our founding fathers. So, uh, you know, uh, putting putting this communist takeover down is, is the first step in in restoring our country before we could even do anything else. Um, secondly, uh, you know, I, I really want to uh, want to uh, end abortion, and uh, I want to grant person to the children in the womb that needs that yep. needs to happen uh as soon as possible we we don't need any more innocent children being killed and murdered in in our society i mean you can't get any more evil than, than killing a baby um <clears throat> and then the next thing um you know uh, uh ending the federal reserve uh that is that is key for the entire nation especially our district but i mean the entire nation as a whole the federal reserve needs to go um, they've, they've created a, uh, a, a, a country that has uh, units of currency that are based upon debt, not, not actual money. And in turn, we are all slaves to the banks and their corporate cronies. No, ab- absolutely. And, that, and that's the thing. And, and that's the thing, you know. And I talked about this on my show so much earlier, is that Trump created this you know, whole narrative and, 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 you know, door and road for outsiders. I mean, guys like you and guys like all, so many people I have on my show that I'm loving this. I'm loving this because what's frustrating is for the longest time in our history, the norm was us voting for establishment politicians. And I really think the day of the politician, like I've said many times, is limited. On both sides, because both sides are fed up with it. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I mean, and and that's another reason, not just for Trump, but uh, uh, all the all the real real candidates that can't be bought. Uh, that's another reason why they're pushing COVID now too. Uh, they realize that it's not just Trump, but they know that there's that there's real patriots that are running for office, and that if we get in there, we'll actually support the president. And more and more of his agenda and more and more of America first will get through. And, uh, you know, they're doing everything they can to suppress uh, the candidates. I mean, verifies uh, um, candidates, uh, anybody on Twitter, for that matter, not just candidates. And, I mean, what happened? To, look what happened to Laura Loomer. Um, she just got banned by Comcast. So what happens with her is, is anybody who – her, her campaign goes to send emails out to people in her district. If they have a Comcast email address, Comcast will not allow those emails to go through to the voters. So you want to talk about election interference. I mean, I, you can't really get any bigger than that. Like, this needs to be complete national news. And, I mean, it, it was on, uh, um, I believe, InfoWars and possibly Breitbart, but I'm not sure. Uh, but but I mean that's just crazy, you know denying a denying somebody running for office the ability to send emails to to to, to voters. No, no, I know, I know, it, it, no, it's my, it really, you know. And here's the thing: I mean, we see really how so many people are waking up to this, this the whole corruption. I mean, the corruption is never ending; it never stops. Especially with the left. I mean, and we got people in our own party that are a huge problem, but I, I would say it occurs more on the left. And 
I'll tell you, Michigan is one of those places that will be pivotal in the this this election, you know. And I want to know your thoughts, but before before I let you go, I want to know your thoughts. You think Trump takes Michigan in twenty twenty? Absolutely. Um, my district, I, my district covers two counties, uh, Macomb County and Oakland County. There's a there's a there's a big difference between the two counties. Oakland County has um, uh, Oakland County's middle class, which is you know part of my district. Their middle class is like uh, two steps above the middle class here in Macomb County, um, and they have a lot of money, and uh, they're all liberal. Um, like uh, you go to Royal Oak, Ferndale. I mean, those houses over there, the same size houses as as over here in Macomb County, where I live, and I live in the Macomb County part of the district. There, they cost you know three times as much for the same size home. And over there, they're all hardcore liberals. But uh, you know that that that's that's going to be my uh, where I need to focus a lot of my uh, attention is over there because I think I can flip some Democrats. Um, some of the ones that are still old school, that are they're they're sick and tired of their party, that still want to hold on to the JFK style values, I'm pretty sure yeah. I can flip some of them. Um, but right. Macomb County here, Donald Trump's taking Macomb County by seventy percent, and uh, Macomb County is what won it for him in 2016. And if Macomb County, if he's taking Macomb County by by seventy percent, he's going to take the state big. Well, well, look how much that helps you. I mean, look how much that helps you in the general right there. I mean, you, right. I mean, you, I, I would say right now, I mean, you, if I had, uh, you know, you know, bet or, uh, you know, p- pick a favorite, I, I think you you could take this guy. I mean, I really think the, the cards are in your favor, especially after what we've seen from these Democrats these last couple of years and how they've done no- nothing for the American people policy wise. And you told me he's a big friend of the squads and, we all know what the squad is known for, uh, drawing attention to themselves and saying orange man bad, anti-Trump bullshit. They haven't done anything with leg- legislation. Right. No, they, 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 and what they have proposed has been nothing but completely detrimental to our society and completely against the values of everything America stands for. But we are going to take this country back, my friend, and uh, 1776 2.0, it's coming like a freight train, and that's why they're scared, that's why they're desperate, and you can see it on every move and everything that they do. Every every move they make and everything they do, you can see it on their faces that they are beyond desperate. I mean, they wouldn't be censoring conservatives the way that they are if they were not desperate. No, I agree. I agree. I absolutely 100% agree. Um, it's it's a crazy, crazy time. Uh, but no, but I I, I want to have you back. I want to have you back very, very soon. Let's make you. Let's on here in the next couple of weeks. Tell everybody where they can get involved with the campaign. Uh, contact you. All that good stuff. Yes, you could check out my website at www.langworthyforcongress.com. And that's for as a F-O-R, so Langworthy, F-O-R, Congress, at, dot com. And, uh, you know, you can follow me on Twitter, at Langworthy US 9th, or check out my Facebook page, uh, Charles Langworthy for, or Langworthy for Congress. And, you know, I'd, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are not in my district uh, that can't vote for me that are listening, but, you know, I'd still be representing all Americans 
And, uh, you know, this is a forgotten district, and the party itself is not going to be putting any money into it. Um, it's just the way it's been for the past 50 years here. So if everybody could go and give me five, ten bucks, anything helps, like literally anything. You know, I need signs. I need literature. I need all this stuff. So, you know, I really appreciate five, ten bucks from everybody or at least a few of the listeners. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take this country back, brother. Absolutely, my friend. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, and we will talk very soon. God bless. God bless you. Yep. All righty. Thank you. Um, I want to welcome Hello. Hello. Oh well, that well, that's why. Oh my God, that's what, guys. Wow, how how foolish am I? How foolish am I? For the last minute, I had my microphone on mute. Holy shit! How does this stuff happen? It probably was because I was so distracted with the spider that was crawling next to my face in my studio. No joke. No joke, everybody. Um, let's go back. Uh, I want to welcome political science professor and popular podcaster. He's also worked in law enforcement, Nick Giordano. Nick, what's going on? Hey, Rory. How you doing? Uh, doing good, buddy. Uh, doing very, very well. Um, sorry about that. I mean, there were some technical errors going on there. But, man, we haven't talked to you in a while. Been a few months. 411, what's new? Oh, it never ends. I'm busier now than I went before the lockdown. That's the crazy part. So just working on the podcast, now i got to transfer all my courses to virtual because in the fall, my college is going all virtual, which I can't stand, and it's just a scam on the students because they don't learn anything with distance education. And just trying to soak in all the political news that comes out day in and day out at a rapid clip. No, and I hear you. I hear you. And here's the thing. You know, you worked in high-end law enforcement in, in New York, and you see what's happening right now. You're probably appalled, disgusted. You're a New Yorker. You know, you probably heard my guest earlier in the show who's running over there for office. I mean, it, it's, I mean it's crazy. And it's not only New York. I mean, it's my home city of Seattle. You look at Portland. You look at Chicago the other night. I mean, this is a it's every major city controlled by Democrats, every major city controlled by Democrats. Now, I wasn't in law enforcement. I was in Homeland Security and emergency management. One of the things that I did was intelligence analysis. But what you have going on right now is a coordinated effort to destroy American cities, to destroy the American economy in the hopes that it takes down America herself. That's what this is. It's all a big push for socialism. And what the media never covers is all the groups that are organizing these events. You have the Democrat Socialists of America, you have Antifa, you have Black Lives Matter, you have the Movement for Black Lives, you have the Party of Liberation and Socialism, but the media never brings it up. 
They never do. They never do. I mean, where, where's the – what? You know, and, and CNN made the – probably the dumbest comment, uh, I think it was yesterday or a couple days ago, Brian Filter. You know who I'm talking about, the big soy boy, the big wimp. They're saying, is there any network that is not pro-Trump? And I'm laughing to myself. I mean, and I thought this was a parody. I thought this was an article from The Onion. And and I want to go slap that guy in the face and say, every network hates Trump. There's no pro-Trump networks, you moron. What? What? The media is so fake. The narrative. I mean, it's disgusting. You know that. Well, not that they're fake. They're an extension of the Democrat National Committee. That's what they've become. And they live in their own little bubbles. The reality is Harvard did a study. Now, Harvard is not your conservative bastion, but Harvard University did a study. 94% of all news stories towards President Trump are negative, meaning just about every story that comes out is negative. Kim Jong-un gets better coverage in the United States than President Trump does. No, I know. I know. No, it's true. It's sad but true. You know, there's no doubt about it. Um, it's a, it's a crazy situation. And and how do you? I mean, look at look at race relations right now. I mean, look at what Democrats are trying to do. They're trying to divide us on race. I mean, you you see these people, you know, destroying the streets, not not allowing us, not allow, not allowing people to open their businesses, but uh, people can loot and you know do all this these crazy terrorist acts all day long. I mean. It's, it's all about political power. It really is. It's, it's crazy. Well, there's always been a socialist push in the United States. Now, it's never that popular. And the idea of the workers revolting uh, against the top-line business owners never came to fruition for the communists within our society. What they have done is they've decided that race is the angle that they're going to use. They're going to use race to tear us apart. And when you look at these groups, that's what's so concerning, because it's in their own words. You can look at their charters online. And when you look at what they're trying to do, it's no different than al-Qaeda or ISIS. Now, obviously, al-Qaeda and ISIS, they're fanatical Islamic terror organizations, and they are much more brutal than the groups here in the United States. But they have the same goal in taking down the United States. They want to destroy and decapitate the United States and then rebuild a society in their vision. Now, the end games are different, but if the, same, if the goal is the same to take down the United States, I don't know why it's not being taken more seriously. And I don't know why the media is not covering it, because sooner or later, the movement's going to eat them as well. And they just don't realize it. That's how short-sighted they are, and that's how much hatred they have for the president himself. Yeah, and, and tell everybody, you know, this is really uh, something I wanted to talk to you about, Nick. You know, back in the day when you were you were working for, correct me if I'm wrong, it was Homeland Security in the state of New York, and you were in, you were you were quite involved with some uh, big 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 stuff. How has everything changed since you were in there? I can only imagine that uh, it's completely backwards and nothing compared to to your time when 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 you when oh. you were. Uh, Thank God I left when I did. So when I was there, we actually had competent people in the high-level positions that knew what they were doing. Since I left, I still have friends that I speak to on a regular basis. And what's happened over the years is a lot of the people I knew either retired or switched positions or got better jobs in other states. 
And so it's all political appointees of the governor. And that's all you have. You have a lot of political hacks in a lot of these different positions. I mean, you know, we worked closely with the NYPD when I was in uh, New York State. And I can tell you now, the NYPD commissioner, Dermot Che, I mean, it's disgraceful that he doesn't even stand by his officers and have the back of his officers. The commissioner is an appointed person, and he works at the pleasure of de Blasio. But to me, have some self-respect. Then you, you resign in protest and make that clear. And that's what should be happening. But unfortunately, you have the mayor that's totally let the city get out of control. You have a governor that's deathly afraid of the far left, and he doesn't want to be attacked. But he sees how New York is crumbling. That's why he's begging you know, the billionaires to come back to have a few drinks and he'll cook them dinner. But it truly is disgraceful what's happening to New York State. And it's going to take decades for New York State to recover. Oh, it's absolutely true. And, and and I wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, we, we've had a few New Yorkers on tonight and, um, you know, they gave their input, but how do you see the future of, of the city? I mean, you've got people literally leaving in packs. I mean, they're scared and not only financially, well, not only financially, but because of the cr- crime too. Well, it couldn't have happened at a worse time because when you look and at tourism. it, I mean, the coronavirus, look how bad economically suffer. Absolutely. And coronavirus economically was devastating to the city. But in the day and age where people can work remotely, where finance companies can move to another state and still be fully functional, they don't have to rely on being in downtown Manhattan in New York City, the the city's going to have real problems. Because if I'm a business owner, people may be shocked out there listening to this, but there are rents as high as $100,000 a month in New York City, in Manhattan, in the prime real estate areas. Why is any company going to spend $100,000 a month to have their place of business vandalized, destroyed, to have employees get robbed or beat up on their way to work? They're not going to do that. And so you're going to have this exodus of businesses that leave. You're going to have businesses that have gone out of business because they couldn't afford the lockdowns and they couldn't make it through that period. And so what's going to be left? And Times Square that – you have, you know, the M&M factory, the Mickey Mouse over there, the Disney store. And what you're going to see is the return of the pimps and the prostitutes and the homelessness and the drug dealers and the peep shows. That's what's coming back to New York. Yeah. Oh, it, oh it's bad. I mean, it's bad. I can, I, can already, I can already see it. I mean, you're going to have a Chicago kind of style. I mean, it, really, uh, in terms of murders, in terms of gangs. I mean, it's already up, what, almost 200, 200% or something, I think I read. I, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it's, it's big. I mean, it, it, and de Blasio is doing nothing but making it worse. I mean, perhaps the worst but mayor it's not only in de Blasio. history ever. It, it's not only de Blasio, though. So we have the district attorneys in, in the city area that, you know, just to give you an example, in the Bronx, a police officer was arresting a suspect. And a perpetrator started, walked up behind the police officer, started choking the police officer, choked him out. And the district attorney from the Bronx announced that she is not pressing charges against the perpetrator that choked a police officer on the streets of New York. So it's not just de Blasio. He's horrible. Don't get me wrong. He's the worst mayor in the United States. But it's also these district attorneys that exist. Also, 
you know, the, the liberal DAs that are not even prosecuting these crimes. No, they're not, and it's sick. It's sad, and you know, I'll tell you, you know, I, you're you're a guy in law enforcement. You know, you you've seen a lot of what's going on. You know, you work in Homeland Security. How do you feel about you know? Black Lives Matter and Antifa now approaching the suburbs. And really, I mean, you know, I always said, come on down. You, do you guys really want a real war where you guys really lose badly? I mean, we already saw some videos over the weekend where they tried to invade a Colorado neighborhood, and, and it didn't end so well. And, you know, they're going through D.C. Certain people are responding. But, you know, this thing's going to get out of control real fast. And uh, I can tell you, conservatives will come out on top. Well, in the suburbs, it's so much more difficult for them to operate. And simply because of the geographic area, it's much more spaced out. It's not like they could just walk from block to block rampaging stores. It would be much more difficult for them. But as a political scientist, someone that's been teaching political science for the last 15 years, you know, not for nothing, but I never thought that defunding the police would it actually become a campaign issue in a presidential election? I never thought the idea of demonizing law enforcement would be part of a campaign platform. It really is bizarre what we're seeing on every level within our society. And how and it Nick, plays is it, out is anyone's guess. Yeah, and, Nick, isn't it crazy, the timing? They want to defund the police when churches buildings are getting burned to the ground, when stores are getting looted, when people are getting killed left and right. I mean, what the, what is going on? You know, I saw a poll uh, from Breitbart, which is a very reliable news source from the other day, and they said 80% of black residents want the police to stay around. So, you know, I think a lot of the black community that, that says get rid of the police, I think it's a very small percentage that are up to no good. You know what I mean? It is, and the reality is it's because they don't live in these neighborhoods. So the people that are calling for the defunding of police and the elected officials that have abandoned law enforcement and have turned their backs on law enforcement, they do it because they don't live in these neighborhoods. They don't live in the high-crime neighborhoods where they have to worry. They're not prisoners in their homes. The second it comes to their community, I can guarantee you they change their tune real quick. But it's because it's not in their community that they say defund the police. Once again, the elected officials, many of them out there, look at the people as we're the plebs, you know, we're, we're the serfs, that we're too dumb to know what's good for us, and so they should make all the decisions. They have this disdain that the American people are just stupid, and, and we don't know the choices that we make. That's why we elected someone like Donald Trump, that we, we don't know what's good for us. And so now they feel they have to force it on us, and that's what you see. It, it's the leftist mindset where they want complete power, they want to silence intent to anyone who disagrees with them. And yeah. these people are dangerous if they ever get close to real power. And, and let's face the facts here. You know, we, we really need to and really, uh, you know, put this out there that Black Lives Matter is built on a lie. It's built on a big lie. It's, you know, built on – it's one of the biggest political scams I've ever seen. You know, we go back and we look at Ferguson – and we look at the whole Michael Brown thing, which I think that was pretty much the start of Black Lives Matter. You know, even though this guy, we all know this guy 
what he, he uh, you know, robbed the corner store, attacked the guy that worked there, then attacked police. Then, you know, they, they make it the narrative that, you know, there's this, 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 this white cop goes after this black guy, which is so false. And then they burn the city down. They try to justify it. Politicians make excuses for them. You know, and then we saw the Trayvon – I think the Trayvon Martin thing might have been shortly before. But still, I mean, the, the Michael Brown thing, and they're, like, honoring him the other day. They're, they're trying to say his name. You know, majority of these Black Lives Matter killings are justified, and we see that in the courtroom. That's not me talking. That's not anybody else talking. That's, that's in the courtroom. I mean, a lot of this is just to divide America. And look what they did with the George Floyd scenario. Isn't it interesting how they only released 30 seconds two months ago, and then two months later they released the full footage that shows that the cop was more than compliant and patient and respectful to him? But when, you know, I mean, they can only deal with so much. Well, the hands up, don't shoot thing from Ferguson was a myth. I mean, it was a myth. Oh, it, that, it, that, it I, talk, was I no talked about that up. on social media the other day. Hands don't up, shoot. don't shoot is the biggest lie of all time. Absolutely. And when you look at the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization, just look, take a look at their charter. They, they talk about how they're comrades, how they want to destroy the capitalist system. They're Marxists. Uh, absolutely. And they want to destroy the family structure, that, that they, the nuclear family is unhealthy and that we're a community of one. When you look at the Black Lives Matter organization, they don't give a hoot about black lives. And what nobody is asking is where is all the money going? This is an organization that has received tens of millions, if not over $100 million in the last four months alone. And yet, where are they spending this money? Who's and doesn't that drive you nuts? No and, doesn't that dri- and that part, Nick, you brought up the best point, and that part drives me nuts because there's so many dumb, uneducated, ignorant voters that donate money to that organization when in reality it doesn't go to what they think it goes to. It goes to politicians. It doesn't go to rebuilding the black communities or the black businesses that have suffered or the people that are in poverty. It goes to the fucking rich. Excuse my French, but that's the fact, Nick. Well, I, I listen, I've talked about this on my podcast. When you look at the social justice industry, it's all a scam. It's all a money-making scam. I mean, the yeah. whole reason that they push this nonsense that if you're white, you're born a racist. If you're black, you're born a victim. The whole reason they push this nonsense that it has to be at birth is because they're making money hand over fist, going into the corporations and extorting them and holding these seminars of the biases and the racist, uh, racism that exists. They're pushing this crap yeah. in schools, and it's all white liberals that are actually enriching themselves from the right. social justice movement. It's not going to the black community. It's not going to build a community center. It's not going to improve the infrastructure, to improve the schools in these inner city areas. It's all going in their pockets, and that's what people need to wake up and see. They need to open their eyes. Nick, Nick, I agree 100%. And before, before I let you go, I, I want to go into one last topic with you. Let's talk about this NRA lawsuit in New York. I mean, New York is already suffering enough. I mean, people are getting killed left and right. Law-abiding citizens are buying guns more than ever before. I think I read it surged by more than over 100%. But let's face the facts here. New York is 
they want communism. They want to they want to put the criminals out there. They want to leave the good guy defenseless, and, it, and it's scary. And what it's doing is it's drawing more and more people to vote for Trump. Agreed. Well, if you look if you look at the NRA situation, it's nothing more than. The leadership of the NRA, if they committed crimes, why aren't they charged criminally? And if there's bad leadership in the NRA, get them out of there. I don't care. But what's really going on is you have this attorney general that wants to dissolve the NRA as an organization, something I haven't really heard of. It doesn't happen too often with special interest groups, but they want to dissolve it. And the whole reason that they're pushing this now is because if Joe Biden wins, they're going to push the mandatory gun buyback. That I can guarantee and the NRA is going to be too wrapped up trying to fight to survive in court in litigation with New York State that it's not going to be able to push back against Joe Biden's mandatory gun buyback program that Beto O'Rourke is going to be in charge of. So this is a coordinated yeah. effort to silence the largest gun special uh, gun right special interest organization out there. There are others out there, but the NRA is obviously the largest. But they're going to be too wrapped up in litigation to do anything to fight back against Joe Biden and what a Democrat Senate, Democrat House, and they're going to do away with the filibuster in the Senate. You're not going to be able to really fight back against that. And that's going to be a big problem in this country. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Nick. It's scary, scary times. Um, I always love having you on my show. Tell everybody where they can connect with you and get, and get involved. They could go on to Twitter. They could follow me at PAS Report. They could go to PASReport.com, or they could just type in the PAS Report in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the other podcast platforms. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Nick, always a real pleasure, man. I love your insight. And, Thanks uh, for let's having get, me on, Let's Rory. get you up here more often, man. Let's, let's, let's make you a weekly regular if you can. I'd love to have you on here. Sounds good. We'll touch base. All righty, man. God bless, man, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, I want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us. Uh, let me make sure we have on with us right now, we have the founder of Freedom First, an American conservative movement, J.D. Rucker. J.D., how are you, man? Welcome back. And, and I want to tell everybody – that I will be joining uh, the Freedom First Network with J.D. Rucker, man. He's built a, a hell of a platform, I'll tell you. There's uh, quite, a, quite a bit of talent on there. I'm looking forward to the opportunity and advancing and, and, and moving higher in this industry. So uh, fun times, and uh, I love every, all the activist stuff he's doing and uh, all, the, all the big mega agenda priorities he has. And uh, really, man, really an honor. Uh, J.D., though, what's going on, buddy? Oh, not much. Just uh, just researching Kamala Harris. Son. Oh, gee. Can you believe that whore? Can you believe her? Can you believe her? Oh, you know what? It's funny. My The co-founder of Freedom First Network, Jeff Dornick, he wrote a post today, and I haven't heard the video, but he, I mean, as soon as it was announced, he got live. He went live streaming, and he started talking about his theory that they're just throwing in the towel, that Kamala Harris is a pick that basically, look, we're going to lose and so let's just lose big, focus on keeping the House, maybe taking the Senate, and let's just focus on 2024. It's as if they've abandoned all hope that they can, they can beat President Trump. Because you don't go with – when you got somebody like Biden, you don't go with somebody safe, the, 
the quote unquote safe pick of Kamala Harris. It's he may be on to something. I don't think so. I mean, I put it maybe 20, 30 percent, but it's worth listening to. I'm going to check it out later. J.D., let, JD, let me ask you this, you know, and, and, and I'm a no filter kind of guy. Very authentic. <laughs> um, do you think she ha- do you think she got on her knees for him? Not for like Joe. Like she did with Willie Joe. Brown? Nah, no, she she didn't need to. If anything, Joe just said, hey, you know what? Um, you guys figure out who it's going to be. Tell me later, and then tell me again the next day because I'll probably forget. But if you do really want me to, to be involved in the pick, just give me some hair samples, and I'll take it from there. <laughs> Man, I mean, you, you talk about uh, a character that uh, says that she's such an empower, empowerment figure to women. She's such a, a huge, notable icon, when in reality – she got on her knees and got bent over to get to the very top. Uh, she didn't, you know, I mean, she, I, I'm not, you know, she's an opportunist, just like most of these, I'm not going to say most of these female politicians, but there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them that exist. There's a lot of them that exist in a lot of industries. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a thing that uh, unfortunately has a, has a lot of power. Uh, you know, with uh, how they can persuade people and all these seductions. I'll say, man, it's, Crazy, crazy, you know, I, I just hate the hypocrisy. You know, you, you want to say that, uh, you know, you, you're, you're this you're this saint and you're this per- person fighting for all these rights, but you locked up somebody, you locked up all these people for marijuana, which isn't going to go well with the black community. Uh, you know, you slept your way to the top. Um, you're, you're no, you're no uh, person to look up to. That's for damn sure. You know what I mean? Well, the thing that's worse, you know, you talk about hypocrisy. Here's a woman who came out and said, I believe the women who have accused Joe Biden of sexual assault. And then she turns right. around and says, I believe these women. And so and then she I'm going to go fake. work remember, for the man she, who, who – Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. No, no, no. I mean we're, we're on the same page, brother. I mean how can you on one hand say I believe her, I believe them, and I also don't care? It would have been better if she says, you know what, I'm a little skeptical. There's – there's, maybe there's no evidence. I haven't really looked into it. I'll have to look closer. No, she said, I believe them, and they need to be heard. And then she says, you know what? I believe them, and I don't care. If he's a sexual, if he's a sexual predator, then as long as I get to uh, a promotion, by golly, I don't care. That does not empower women. That degrades women. Okay, that takes, that, that takes them back. That's not feminism. That's not advancing anything other than herself it literally she is stepping on every single woman in this nation when she says i believe that he sexually assaulted those women and i'm going to support him and it just goes to show i mean she also made the stupid comment where she said i was one of those segregated little girls on the back of the bus joe that you put a, a law pass you know and she tried to play that narrative remember that in the debate oh sure that was the first debate she shot up uh, 14 points, almost instantaneously. She was in third place and really positioned with all the momentum. And this is the funny part. This is where I believe, you know what, maybe they are really throwing in the towel because she's demonstrated three things. Number one, she's demonstrated she's an awful campaigner. Okay, she she is she does just fine when she's when she's out there, you know, doing her thing as a senator or a prosecutor. But once she gets on the campaign trail, she she's just not a very likable person. You know, the moment she opens her mouth, people are like, oh, okay. You know, uh, number two, she demonstrated that whatever direction the winds are blowing, 
She actually changed her position on Medicare for All three times in two days. Three different interviews, she gave a different position every time depending upon who was questioning her. And then last, last but not least, you know, she's a horrible manager. Her campaign, she should have been – she didn't make it to the, to the Iowa caucus. Okay, she didn't make it into the primary season, despite being – even in, when after she faded, she was still third or fourth in most polls. How could she possibly do that? You know, how, how could she have fallen so hard to, to where – I mean even Cory Booker, I think, last, outlasted her, and he was like seventh. Okay, how does that happen? That's poor management. This woman is not a leader. Okay, this vice president who's supposed to be the heir apparent, the, uh, as, as the Trump campaign put it, the, the political living will for Joe Biden – Okay, she's supposed to be the person that's probably going to be if they were to win, she would be the president within somewhere between one and six months. Okay, and we expect her to be the person to lead this nation? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's a it's a it's a weak pick. You know, it's the quote unquote safe pick, but in a way I think this is just the the puppet masters in control, the neo Marxists, you know, who are saying, Hey, let's go ahead and just just lose this because we can actually gain more. They believe they can gain more as a radical progressive movement if Trump is, is president. They think that if Biden wins, and that actually damages the, the Sanders campaign or the Sanders uh, people, the Bernie bros, the, the uh, anarcho-communists, the neo-Marxists, it damages their case because then, then they can say, you know, if, if Biden loses, they can say, look, we've tried now two times in a row. The establishment has, has thrown us off, and so – by golly, now you guys have to listen to us. You have to listen to the Justice Democrats. You have to listen to these, to these radicals. If Joe Biden wins, then it's like, okay, hey, the, the Democratic establishment, they came through, and now you've got all of these, these confused Democrats thinking, okay, so we can win elections. We don't have to go. So it behooves the neo-Marxists for President Trump to win, and that's why I think perhaps Kamala Harris is just the, the hey, let's, let's pretend like we're trying, but let's just focus on the – on Capitol Hill instead, and we'll, we'll take a better shot in 2024 with Michelle Obama. No, I agree. I, no, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy situation. And I'll tell you, we see how these people like to blame others for what they're guilty of. You know, we saw with the whole Russia thing, we saw, you know, the, the Democrats are the real colluders. They're the, they're the real problem. And, and we saw how evil and, and, and conniving and manipulative and brainwashing Harris was uh, during this whole Trump presidency. Her running this country would be a complete disaster. It would be very scary. I mean, if we thought Obama was scary, I can't even imagine what Harris would be like. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know which is scarier, being led by Joe Biden, who, who doesn't know what he's doing, or Kamala Harris, who thinks she knows what she's doing. You know, it, it's a crazy. I mean, look at look at how they all and look at how they're all in bed together. I mean, we just found out that the FBI misled the Senate on the dossier. All these mm-hmm. Democrats were root, rooting it on, applauding it, saying that it was they were going to crack the code, that Trump was going to go to jail, saying all this bullshit nonsense that never came true. And all of a sudden they switch the narrative because it didn't click. But they were leading their followers and their voters on for so long. I mean, it's such crap. Oh, absolutely. And, and it just goes to show you, look, we as conservatives, we as patriotic, America-loving citizens of this country, you know, we, we know, and we, if you don't know yet, then you're finding out very quickly that literally everything is stacked against us. We have the media against us. We have the deep state against us. We have 
um, a, a cheating Democratic Party against us, and we have in many ways a feckless Republican Party. You know, outside of Trump and a and a handful of people in on Capitol Hill, right. the Republican Party is not you know just uh, some beacon of hope. There's a there. lot. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, of I mean, so here's the thing, and there, there's a lot of problems with the Republican Party. You know, um, and here's mm-hmm. why I love Trump because. Trump is pro-policy. He's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's pro-policy. He's pro-America. We need more of that. We need to get rid of the, part- we need to get rid of the partisan bullshit. Well, and I mean, it's so, yes, we do. But the main thing that we have to focus on, and this is really where, where President Trump comes in, okay? The main thing that we need to focus on is we have only one resource. We have only one single asset as conservatives in America. The one thing that yeah. That keeps us afloat is the fact that we have the truth on our side. If it wasn't for that, the odds stacked against us would crush us. We would no longer be a movement whatsoever. But because we're right, that's the only thing that's keeping us afloat, you know. And that's what President Trump is pushing. He's pushing for let's be truthful, let's be honest about exactly what's happening here, and let's put out honest policies that actually get things done versus versus playing the political games. I agree. I agree 100%, J.D., and I'll tell you something. Um, you know, we are really living in a time like uh, never seen before. I mean, I've never seen politics this divided, and, um, you know, it, it really is something where at this point, I mean, Republicans, I want indictment. I mean, I don't want talk anymore. I don't want political theater. I want Republicans to do their jobs. Because we have too many rhinos in there that are in bed with the deep state, they're in bed with the establishment, and they're not taking action where they should, and they're not working for we the people as they should. Brother, listen, for, from now until November 3rd, I am going to be fighting the Democrats as my primary opponent. I mean, they, it's, it used to be that you could say, well, you know, maybe you fight against some of them. No. Today, you fight against all of them. If there's a chance you could make one lose, then you do that. Okay, but but come yeah. as soon as the the dust settles and the election is over, now it's time for us to switch gears at that point and say, all right, we got we we did what we could. We got President Trump reelected. We we kept our Senate majority. We we uh, uh, regained a majority in the House. Now let's fix the Republican Party. Let's get out these people. Okay, let's take these people that are that are tearing it down. That basically really squandered the first two years of President Trump's um, term. Okay, his first term was the first two years were squandered because you know you now granted you had people that are gone now you had the the John McCain's but he's been replaced by the Mitt Romney's okay you've got you, we need to really revamp and you know, bring back essentially the what the Tea Party movement should have been I was a big fan of the Tea Party movement but they, there were things missing okay there really were right there were things missing they yeah. they weren't organized they weren't heading always in the same direction you had. You had angry and passionate Americans willing to, to do what it took to make things better, and there was no there was no true leadership. I mean, there was some, but it wasn't it wasn't nearly enough, and it, there was no coordination whatsoever. We have to get come together and get unified right. on this is who we like, this is who we don't like. Let's get rid of these rhinos and let's put in some constitutional conservatives. Let's try to do yeah. what the Justice Democrats have done with the Democratic Party. You know, who runs the Democratic Party? The very tiny minority of radicals, they run the Democratic Party because the Justice Democrats did it right. I don't agree with them ideologically, but from a strategic perspective, they took what the Tea Party did 
and they magnified it, not through more money and definitely not through more people, but through an ex- exponentially better strategy. We need to employ a similar strategy. But again, all of that is talk for after the election. Right now, we've got to come together, stop Joe Biden, stop Kamala Harris, stop <clears throat> Nancy Pelosi, and make sure that Chuck Schumer is never Senate majority leader. Once we take care of that business, then we can move on to really making America great and empowering President Trump with the type of of leaders in the Republican Party who can advance his agenda, who can advance an America first, a freedom first agenda. And that happens after the election. Yeah, and I wanted I wanted to bring up a really good point and and I and a lot of people want to hear hear about this and you know it, it's very interesting right now because I I've always been a fan of this guy. Uh I saw him in the fourth row, fourth row, yeah, in 2006 in Vancouver, uh perhaps the greatest artist of his generation. Um big huge fan base. Uh he's a billionaire with a B. Uh, made a lot of money in business, clothing, um, you know, and he really, uh, I'll tell you, whatever he says carries weight and has strong merit, Uh, Kanye West. And uh, he's utilizing his platform for the greatest possible way. I mean, he understands, he, he has woken up and jumped on that, on that Trump train and, 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 you know, sees that 2020 is the most important election of our lifetime. And I'll tell you, it takes balls, it takes guts, it takes so much bravery to speak up against the Hollywood cult. You know how many rapper friends he lost? You know how many people don't, don't talk to him anymore? But he doesn't give a shit because he's an authentic and genuine dude. And look at this man. He came from black hardships. He came from the hood in Chicago. He, he, did, he wasn't raised in a white neighborhood like white mama Obama. You know, he, he didn't grow up privileged. And here's the fact, is that when all these people go to the polls, you, I mean, I, I understand that Trump has record high. He has a large amount of black support. I would say right now the last poll I saw from Rasmussen, which was the most accurate the last election, uh, it said about over 30%, about 30, 36%. So look at that. And then, you know, we also see quite a bit will probably vote for Biden because they see a D next to it and they don't know any better than to vote for Democrat. But what about, because there's a lot of black people, a lot of minorities who hate Biden because of the 94 crime bill, because of the comments he's made. I mean, he's made more racist comments in a month than I've ever heard Trump ever say. So talk about that a little bit, because, I mean, and look at, look at Kanye really talking about the, the idea of pro-life, of how, you know, he's exposing Black Lives Matter, saying, you guys can't cherry pick. You guys got to call it out the full story. They, they've killed almost 25, almost 25 million million babies within 50 years. That's the real Black Lives Matter. That's what we should be talking about. Not the less than 1% chance that you get that dirty cop that, you know, does something bad. You know, it's just, it's all backwards. Oh, it absolutely is. And I think, so there's, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, there's, but there's two main things. Number one, you know, this is One thing I want to say, J.D., one thing I want to say, 
if there's any if there's anybody that can convince the black community, if there's anybody that could do it, it's Kanye West. I mean, even before he was involved with politics, many many called him the greatest artist musician of his generation, and a lot of people would agree if if you put politics aside. So, what people need to understand how big that is because this guy is just a a giant icon. Go ahead though. Sorry. No, absolutely. So, I mean, and that's that's great context for what I was what I'm about to say. You've got Joe Biden was was absolutely incorrect. You know, he tried to he tried to to fix it. He had two two disastrous interviews where he's basically saying, you know, look, you know, diversity of thought does not exist in the black community. In, in reality, you know, he's basing it upon the idea that the the vast majority of black Americans have voted for Democrat for years. What he's not understanding is the why, and this is the part where diversity comes into huge effect, and this is where Kanye comes into, into play. The black community are some of the most extreme individualist and personally socially conservative people in America. As, as, and when I'm, when I'm saying the black community, the, the individualism there is so powerful, so strong. There is more courage there, I would say, in a lot of ways than the vast majority of other racial groups. What Kanye West does, Kanye West doesn't have to convince anybody to vote Republican or convince anybody that the Democrats are bad. All he has to do is point them in the direction of this is where, you know, like you said, especially with the abortion issue, this is where you guys need to open your eyes and see what's really happening here and then allow them to go find the truth because, again, we have the truth on our side. The second thing to note is that this is where the Kamala Harris pick doesn't really play well because I mean Kamala Harris they had they had an opportunity and they had multiple he had multiple um, full blown African American women I mean, people people look at Kamala Harris she's she's not African American she's Jamaican uh, Indian okay that's not African American she's black okay she is a person of color but based upon you know she doesn't have the the, the shared heritage of the vast majority of black people the vast majority of of our, all African Americans in the United States, she doesn't have that shared heritage the same way that a, a Susan Rice does, or or a, um, a Keisha uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, or Karen Bass, or you know they they had lots of choices by picking her. It's kind of like okay, well, so um, you know, is she really does she represent us, or is she is she just you know just another politician of color, but still a politician who's not truly Black. Kanye West is black, and he does whether you love him. If you're black, whether you love him or hate him, you still know that he has uh, number one success, number two intelligence, and number three a willingness and a courage to speak his mind. They might not respect what he says, but they respect him for his willingness to say it. And that's where he helps President Trump and the Republican Party the most by basically saying, "Look, folks, you know, we Amen. Amen. think for ourselves. Amen. We can make our own choices. You guys don't be swayed." by politicians. Don't be swayed by mainstream media. Look up the facts. Figure it out for yourself. I did, and this is the conclusion that I made. That's where Kanye affects this nation the most. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Same thing I said. He's, oh, he, he's shining light. He's, he's really pointing out the real problems of what's going on you know, it, it, it's about sending a message. It's about, you know, it's the principle of the matter. Uh, but, J.D., I love having you with us. Tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Twitter, at J.D. Rucker. 
NOQ Report, that's knockreport.com, freedomfirstnetwork.com. Those are the main ones. Um, you know, American conservative movement, its real mission will start again after the election. Until the election, our focus is on republicanism so much more than conservatism. But once the election's over, we have to switch to conservatism and try to make America more conservative once again. Thank you for having me, my friend. I, lo- I, al- I always love it, man. It's always a blast. Uh, stay with us. We've got a little bit longer left in the show. Um, and I'm excited to come to your network, man. You got it, brother. We'll talk after the show. All righty. Sounds good. Um, I want to welcome to the show right now, I believe he's with us. Uh, we have uh, award-winning author David M. Birch. David, how are you? Rory, thanks for having me. I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing better every day. How about you? Uh, doing well, man. Sorry about the delay, man. Uh, the show's been, uh, it's been crazy tonight. We've been having a lot of guests. It's been awesome, though. I've been loving it. Uh, uh, really good to have you on. Um, your first time joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, you know, I am an author, and I wrote two books, uh, Return of the Founding Fathers Guardians, and it came out in 2016 before Trump was elected, and I actually wrote the entire book before Trump even announced, and it was about a yellow-haired, I uh, called it yellow-haired, billionaire, real estate billionaire, politi- or non-politician that ran for office and becomes the president of the United States to save the country. So that's that's the first book. Second second book just came out last month, Return of Our Country, and I'm kind of excited to see how that's doing because uh, sales are decent. But uh, you know, again, it's just uh, just came out last month. So um, so that's a little bit about what I do. I I still work full time, um, so I kind of have a full time job, and I do uh, do the writing on the side. I love it, man. I love it. And, and tell tell so tell us about the first book. So what year did that come out? It came out in 2016, and I got to tell you, actually, both books uh, came to me from a, uh, a premonition. I know it sounds a little bit different, but uh, came yeah. to me from a premonition in actually 2007. Said there was a billionaire going to run for president and become the president of the United States, and here was the scenario. And it uh, got it got laid out to me, and I had never wrote a book in my life, Rory. Never thought about writing one. And this thing was so strong that I started writing the book. And I don't know how many things have come true, but I can tell you it is way over uh, 20 different things coming through um, in the first book and, uh, and the second book. I'll give you an example of the second book here. So the second book, obviously, uh, you know, was, was written um, before Christmas. And it is about the incumbent billionaire politician or billionaire president now. Okay, and he has the economy going so good, the globalist banking cartel and the deep state and all the people they fund. Okay, they realize they can't beat him in a fair election, so they crash the economy. And in the book, and all this came to me in a premonition, in the book, I talked about they crashed the stock market so much, the stock market got shut down, got shut down, which it did, and then it got shut down multiple times in a day, which which it did, multiple times in a week and so forth and so on. And I predicted it would go down. Uh, actually, uh, actually told several people on Twitter it was going to go down 10,000 points. And, uh, you know, you and I know a mutual person. I told them at 20, it was, when it was at 26,000 initially, I took my 401k out. Um, and then, as we all know, it went down to 16, and then it went back up. 
Um, so, uh, so, uh, in any event, that's kind of the second book, but then what the president does in the second book is that he finds out from a ex, uh, retired CIA person, very aging, they come and they tell him, he tells, he tells the president what these globalists and the deep state have done to the wealth of the American people, how they have stole gold and other things, and uh, faced with a crashing economy, the president is uh, being blackmailed by the Federal Reserve families, okay? And he calls back every special forces group from around the world to undertake the mission to save the country. And if he succeeds, he will not only save the country, he will eliminate the Federal Reserve, and he will pay off the entire national debt immediately. Is That takes you to about half of the book. And the rest of the half of the book of the return of our country, it is the mission for them to do all this. You know what's fascinating? is It's like you're psychic. I mean, it's like you predicted the future, man. You wrote that book before he was even president. <laughs> well... Well, well, yeah, I did, and you know, you know, people say all kind of things. I'll be honest with you, I don't even know what to say. All I say is, you know, um, I I am just sharing and writing kind of what I was given, and I tried to take uh, tried to take that for you know however it came, and then uh, put it into a story, you know, that was compelling to people so they could read it, um, and then in reading it too. Um, I actually have 97 quotes in it for references of sources of how a lot of this stuff is actually factually true. So I cite 97 different uh, references uh, in, in just the second book alone, Return of Our Country. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Uh, tell everybody where they can find that book and get in contact with you. So, uh, so the books are on Amazon, both of them, okay? Return of the Founding Fathers, Guardians is the first one. The second one is Return of Our Country. Um, again, that one just came out last, uh, last month, and they can follow me on Twitter. That is probably the best way. It's at D.M. Burke. That's B-U-R-K-E, author. Um, so at D.M. Burke, author. And I also have a website, Return of the Founding Fathers. I can't believe I got that one, but I, I looked it up uh, several years ago, and it was there, returnofthefoundingfathers.com. I love it. Well, I want to get you back on here uh, in the next week or two. I want to talk to you for a lot longer, um, you know, because there's a lot I want to get into you, get into about the details of your book, especially with the Founding Fathers and the history. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun because I think it will be good for our listeners. You know, it was great, and I'll be honest with you, I listened to, uh, geez, I don't know about your whole, but maybe your whole lineup, and I listened to that Charles Langworthy of Michigan, and he's not in my area, he's a little bit south, but I am going to reach out to him, because I heard him talking about, you know, ending the Federal Reserve, and the founding fathers are his idols, and so forth, and I'll I'll reach out to him and see how I can help, because of, uh, you know, he's going for a congressional uh, seat here in Michigan, we need all the help we can get. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, stay with us. We've got a few minutes left in the show. I want to go to uh, Pastor Rodney Evans. How you doing, Pastor? I'm doing good. How you doing today? Doing well, man. What's going on? What's on your mind? What's new? Well, uh, i got a couple things we'll go over. There's one thing you haven't talked about tonight, and I want to get to that before I get off. 
But you had okay. um, you had got in touch with me and wanted to be on a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't because I was out camping with yeah. my wife, spending some time with her. But while we were out, we went out and drove drove around. It took us about three and a half hours to get where we were going to camp. And while we were there, we drove around and just just get away to rest. But I saw more Trump signs and flags. Uh, it's kind of early. Usually you see them about you know six, seven weeks prior to the election. But I didn't see one Biden sticker or one Biden flag. And that should kind of speak volumes to some people. But I have, as uh, some of your your people you had on tonight, they were all awesome. We had um, been talking to people that are not registered to vote, encouraging them to register to vote. I said, now, if you're going to vote Democrat, don't register. But if you're going to vote Republican, please register. Um, but then I was talking to a young man that we love in our family. Um, he calls me Pop. I call him son. And he's a young black man. And um, he was, you know, we were talking. He said, what's wrong with your governor in your state? He said, I thank God we got a Republican governor. I said, will you rest your vote? He said, yes. He said, I like. I like what Trump does. Sometimes I don't like what he says or he tweets, but I love what he's doing. I'm a firm believer that we and, – and you quoted a, uh, a poll, and I think, it was, it, I think you were correct. It was around 36 37% of the, the black people approve of President Trump. If that is right, it will be a massive landslide, I believe, in, uh, in November for President Trump. I agree. Uh, so, I agree. I agree, and I think the real – let me tell you something real quick, Rodney. I I agree that I think what turns off a lot of voters, and I've talked about this many times, is the way Trump comes off sometimes. People aren't used to somebody that's, you know, unfiltered, authentic. They're used to somebody that's polished, you know? Yes, yes. I mean, to me, he's like a Reagan. It's just Reagan was more polished than when it comes to speaking than what Trump is. Uh Right. I think Trump's doing an awesome job. But one thing, and there's many things I could talk about, but I'm going to watch it because of time. One thing you hadn't talked about yet, I don't think, and I think it helped Trump so much. I think it was massive. I think that was Rodney, you got about two minutes, but I'm going to bring you back Thursday because I want to talk to you about okay. the church situation. But uh, no, go ahead, okay. though. You got, I'll give you about two and a half minutes, and i got to close it up. Go ahead, though. Okay. But it, to me, what he did on Saturday with the executive orders, I think that was massive. I think that brought so many people along uh, on his side, especially when he got up and, t- and told the people what the Democrats were trying to get pushed, you know, stimulus package for illegals and all this other stuff. He went down it, but he signed, signed the executive order. As a pastor, I was getting called from people uh, in the community saying, Pastor, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, unemployment's running out. I can't make it. Our job's not called us back yet. And by him doing that, I'm telling you, I believe that we're going to see I, – I see the poll numbers going up very quickly because of what he did and how he said the things he said. And I was on a conference call with him tonight. He had a rally, a, a telephone rally here in North Carolina and he brought out a lot of those things that I just said uh, about the executive order. Also, you know, where he didn't feel like the governor here wanted to uh, to have 
the convention here. But now they're going against uh, him and talking about because he wants to do his acceptance, I guess, at Gettysburg or at the White House. And they're saying that he shouldn't do it at Gettysburg because it's uh, what's the word they're using? Uh, trying to think of it very quickly. It's they're trying ahead. to say it's racist. I mean, everything's racist yeah, according yeah, to yeah. I mean, people never these people never quit. They never quit. White supremacists. I mean, it, it, they're saying so. Yeah, white. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's ridiculous. They want to use those stupid terms. You know what I mean? I yes. mean it's, it's absolutely atrocious. You know, Gettysburg is one of the biggest parts of our history, and it's such a yeah, huge. Yeah, I love. It. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it too. I, you know, and I think it's great, and it's going to be historic that he's going to do his speech there, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, Pastor, though, I'm going to bring you back Thursday. Um, tell okay. tell everybody where they can find you. You can go over to Rodney Evans Ministries dot org. Everything's over. Uh, we do podcasting on what does. We do YouTube videos. All of that's over there. There are a bunch of things over there. But you can follow me. Now, that's ministry, but you can follow me, which I'm a little bit more political on, on Rodney Evans on Twitter. You can follow me there. We do a lot of tweeting and all that stuff there. So you can follow me at those two places. Sounds good, my friend. Always love having you on with us. Um, and we will Thank talk you. to you Thursday. Um, everybody, uh, it's been a fantastic show. I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight. I love you all. I'll see you Thursday. Until then, I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers.